This is Shakespeare Closely Read. I'm your host, Mark Naftal. In this podcast, I read the works of William Shakespeare and other authors in the public domain. In addition to reading these works in their entirety, I'll stop frequently to comment on the text, its meaning, and lessons to be drawn. This is a place for lovers of Shakespeare's words, words, words. I delight in the beauty of his language and believe through this beauty we can find truth in how to live a virtuous life. I hope this podcast can help students understand Shakespeare better and how to appreciate his sometimes difficult language. Maybe you can use it to help you write papers or study study for tests. Drop me an email at shakespeareclosely at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, alternative interpretations. I would like some help. And let us begin. In the last episode, we saw that Coriolanus was banished from uh, from Rome, avoiding the death penalty, apparently. And uh, he leaves vowing revenge. So, and we hear also the Volscians are in the field again with uh, uh, with Coriolanus's foil, Afridus, at their head. So let's begin with Act 4, Scene 1. Enter Coriolanus, Volumnia, Virgilia, Meninius, Cominius, with the young nobility of Rome. In other words, all of uh, uh, Coriolanus's family and friends are there. Coriolanus, come, leave your tears, a brief farewell. The beast with many heads butts me away. Okay, he's talking about the people, the plebeians there. He calls them a beast uh, with many heads. And I guess uh, comparing them to goats or or maybe rams um, with uh, the image before of, of the sheep and, and the wolves. Um, also, I suppose it could be a, a reference to Cerebus, the three-headed dog of hell, but dogs don't usually butt, they usually bark and bite. Back to the text, still Coriolanus. Nay, mother, where is your ancient courage? You were used to say extremities was the trier of spirits. It common chances common men could bear. It when the sea was calm, all boats alike showed mastership in floating. Fortune's blows, when most struck home, being gentle, wounded, craves a noble cunning. Okay, that's an interesting um, image, if you will, that uh, when the sea is calm, it's like everyone's a good sailor then. Uh, but you only show um, your, uh, uh, your real worth in adversity. Back to the text, Ocorilanus. You were used to load me with precepts that would make invincible the heart that conned them. Virgilia, oh heavens, oh heavens. And I suppose Coriolanus's uh, use of proverbs there and everything, it's sort of the stoic virtues of being, uh, using adversity uh, to train oneself. It sometimes said the obstacle is the way. Um, And uh, Marcus Aurelius seemed to teach that as well. Back to the text. Coriolanus, nay, I pray thee, woman, Volumnia, Now the red pestilence strikes all trades in Rome and occupations perish. Okay, the red pestilence, I guess that means it could mean bloodshed. Coriolanus, what, what, what? I shall be loved when I am lacked. Nay, mother, resume that spirit when you were wont to say if you had been the wife of Hercules, six of his labors you'd have done and saved your husband so much sweat. Cominius, droop not, adieu. Farewell, my wife, my mother. I'll do well yet. Thou old and shrewd Meninius, thy tears are saltier than a younger man's, and venomous to thine eyes, my sometimes general. 
I've seen thee stern, and now it's oft beheld the hard heartening spectacles. Um, okay, spectacles there, I guess, are things to see. Uh, back to the text, still Coriolanus. Tell these sad women tis fond to wail inevitable strokes as tis to laugh at them, my mother. You wot well my hazard still have been your solace. Okay, woke means to know. And believed not lightly, though I go alone, like to a lonely dragon that his fen makes feared and talked of more than seen. Your son will or exceed the common or be caught with Catullus baits and practice. Okay, it's interesting, um, his wife Virgilia is not going with him into exile. Volumnia, my first son, whither wilt thou go? Take good Gopinius with thee a while. Determine on some course more than a wild exposure to each chance that starts the way before thee. Okay, mother wants him to take uh, at least one of his friends. I was wondering if anybody was going to go with him. Um, maybe she fears what he's going to do. Virgilia, oh, the gods, Cominus. I'll follow thee a month, devise with thee where thou shalt rest, and thou mayst hear of us as we of thee. So if the time thrust forth the cause for thy repeal, we shall not send o'er the vast world to seek a single man and lose advantage. What does ever cool the absence of the needer? Coriolanus, fare you well. Thou hast years upon thee, and thou art too full of the war's surface to go rove with one that yet's unbruised. Okay, so uh, Cominius seems to be turning down there the offer of Camillus uh, to share his exile. I said he's too old and uh, you're too wounded by war. Of course, we know that uh, Camillus had, what, 25 serious wounds? So uh, he's he's definitely been bruised by the wars. Back to the text, still Coriolanus. Bring me but out at gate. Come, my sweet wife, my dearest mother, and my friends of noble touch. When I am forth, bid me farewell and smile. I pray you come. While I remain above the ground, you shall hear from me still, and never of me aught, but what is like me formerly. Okay, so he seems to be bearing the uh, the exile very well. Meninius, that's worthily as any ear as any ear can hear. Come, let's not weep. If I go to shake off but one seven years from these old arms and legs by the good gods, I'd with thee every foot. Coriolanus, give me thy hand. Come, they exit. Scene two. Enter the two tribunes, Sicinius and Brutus, with the Adel. Well, they should be happy with themselves, but I'm feeling they're not going to be. Sicinius, bid them all home. He's gone, and will know further than ability or vexed than we see of cited in his behalf. Okay, so Sicinius seems content. Brutus, now we have shown our power. Let us seem humbler after it is done than when it was a doing. Okay, they seem to be a bit concerned that they went too far. Sicinius, bid them home. Say their great enemy is gone, and they stand in their ancient strength. Brutus, dismiss them home. Adel exits. Here comes his mother. Enter Volumnia, Virgilia, and Meninius. Sicinius, let's not meet her. Brutus, why? Sicinius, they say she's mad. Okay, meaning there is probably mad like an insane, but a mad could mean like our meaning too. She's just really angry. Brutus, they take note of us. Keep on your way. Okay, that's not very polite, Volumnia. Oh, you're well met. The hoarded plague of the gods requite your love. Meninius, peace, peace. Be not so loud, Volumnia to the tribunes. If that I could for weeping you should hear, nay, you shall hear some. To Sicinius, will you be gone? Virgilia to Brutus, you shall stay too. I would I had power to say so to my husband. Okay, she's saying... 
wanted him to stay, but that ain't gonna happen because he's in exile. Sakinia stated to Volumnia. Are you mankind? Volumnia. Aye, fool, is that a shame? Note but this fool was not a man my father. Hast thou foxship to banish him that struck more bows for, for blows for Rome than thou hast spoken words? Sicinius. Oh, blessed heavens, Volumnia, more noble blows that ever thou wise words, and for Rome's good, I'll tell thee what yet go. Nay, but thou shalt stay too. I would my son were in Arabia, thy tribe before him, his good sword in his hand. Sicinius, what then? Virgilia, what then? He'd make an end of thy posterity. So uh, he would kill them. I don't know, maybe castrate them. Huh? Could be either one. Volumnia, bastards and all. Good man, the wounds that he does bear for Rome. Meninius, come, come, peace. Sicinius, I would he had continued to his country as he began, and not unknit himself, the noblest knot he made. Brutus, I would he had. Gosh, what liars are they? Volumnia, I would he had. Twas you incense the rabble. Cats that can judge as fitly of his worth as I can of those mysteries which heaven will not have earth to know. Okay, so saying that, uh, um, that that cats would be uh, uh, would have been better at judging. Um, and Volumnia saying, I might as well know the gods' purposes. Brutus to Sicinius, play, let's go, Volumnia. Now, pray, sir, get you gone. You have done a brave deed, ere you go hear this. As far as doth the capital exceed the meanest house in Rome. Okay, so that's the capital building. Uh, so far, my son, this lady's husband here, this do you see whom you have as banished doth exceed you all. Okay, nice image there at the capital building um, compared to the meanest, the worst house, the lowest house in Rome. And um, so in that comparison, then, um, that uh, Coriolanus is the capital, and they are the meanest house, the worst hovel in Rome. Brutus, well, well, we'll leave you, Sicinius. Why stay we to be baited with one that wants her wits? Tribune's exit. Volumnia, take my prayers with you. I would the gods had nothing else to do but to confirm my curses. Could I meet him but once a day, it would unclog my heart of what lies heavy to it. Menenius, you have told them home, and by my troth you have cause. You'll sup with me, Volumnia. Anger's my meat. I sup upon myself, and so shall starve with feeding to Virgilia. Come, let's go. Leave this faint pulling and lament as I do, and anger Juno-like. Come, come, come. They exit. Okay, Juno, um, Hera in the... In the Greek pantheon, uh, the wife of, of Jupiter, and um, also she was uh, she was loved of uh, of the Romans. Menenius, five, five, five. He exits. Scene three. Enter a Roman, Nicanor, and a Volscia, Adrian, Roman. I know you well, sir, and you know me. Your name, I think, is Adrian. Vulture, it is so, sir, truly, I have forgot you, Roman. I am a Roman, and my services are, as you are, against him. Know you me yet, Vulture. Nicanor, sir? Uh, Nicanor? I'll call him Nicanor. Roman, the same, sir, Vulture. You had more beard when I last saw you, but your favor is well approved by your tongue. Oh, what's the news in Rome? I have a note from the Vulture state to find you out there. You have well saved me a day's journey. 
So these are two spies, I suppose, meeting with each other. Roman, there hath been in Rome strange insurrections, the people against the senators, patricians, and nobles. Okay, so they had an insurrection there, a term we hear a lot bandied about these days. Volsha, hath been. Is it ended then? Our state thinks, our state thinks not so. They're in most warlike preparation and hope to come upon them in the heat of their division. Roman, the main blaze of it is past, but a small thing would make it flame again. For the nobles receive so to heart the banishment of that worthy Coriolanus. They are in a ripe aptness to take all power from the people and to pluck from them their tribunes forever. This lies glowing, I can tell you, and is almost mature for the violent breaking out. Vulture, Coriolanus banished? Roman banished, sir. Vulture, you will be welcome with this intelligence, Nicanor. Roman, this day serves well for them now. I have heard it's, it's said that the fittest time to corrupt a man's wife is when she'd fallen out with her husband. That's interesting. Um, to seduce a woman or whatever is when she's angry at her husband. And um, and so the civil strife in Rome it might be a thing that the Volscians can take advantage of. Back to the text of the Roman. Your noble Tullus Afridus will appear well in these wars, his great opposer Coriolanus, being now in no request of his country, Volsha. He cannot choose. I am most fortunate thus accidentally to encounter you. You have ended my business, and I will merely accompany you home, Roman. I shall between this and supper tell you most strange things from Rome, all tending to the good of their adversaries. Have you an army ready, say you? Volsha, a most royal one. Centurions and their charges, distinctly billeted already in the entertainment, and beyond foot at an hour's warning. So the Vulcans are all ready to go to war. Roman, I'm joyful to hear of their readiness and am the man, I think, that shall set them in present action. So, sir, heartily well met and most glad of your company. Vulture, you shall take my part from me, sir. I have the most cause to be glad of yours. Roman, well, let us go together. They exit. Scene four. Enter Coriolanus in mean apparel, disguised and muffled. Coriolanus, a goodly city is this Antium, city tis I that made there at thy widows. So he's killed a lot of their soldiers. Uh, many an heir of these fair edifices for my wars I have heard groan and drop. Then know me not. Lest thou that thy wives with spits and boys with stones and puny battles slay me. Enter a citizen. Save you, sir. Citizen, and you, Coriolanus. Direct me if it be your will. Where the greater fatus lies, is he in Antium? Citizen, he is, and feasts the nobles of the state at his house this night. Coriolanus, which is his house, beseech you. Okay, so Coriolanus already has in mind to. Uh, um, betray Rome and go to the enemy. Citizen, is here before you. Coriolanus, thank you, sir. Farewell. Citizen exits. O world, thy slippery turns, friends now fast sworn, whose double bosom seems to wear one heart, whose hours, whose bed, whose meal and exercise are still together, who twin as tour in love, unseparable, shall within this hour on a dissension of a dwat break out to bitterest enmity. So fell his foes, alliteration, 
whose passions and whose plots have broke their sleep. Okay, another alliteration. To take the one by the other by some chance, some trick not worth an egg, shall grow dear friends and interjoin their issues. Okay, so he's talking about joining with Ephratus there, interjoin their issues. Uh, makes it seem almost like an intercourse matter. Back to the text of Coriolanus. So with me, my birthplace hate I, and my loves upon this enemy town, I'll enter. If he slay me, he does fair justice. If he give me way, I'll do his country service. He exits. Scene five. Music plays, enter a serving man, first serving man. Wine, 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 what service is here? I think our fellows are asleep. He exits, enter another serving man. Second serving man, where's Codus? My master calls for him, Codus. He exits. Enter Coriolanus. Coriolanus, a goodly house. The feast smells well, but I appear not like a guest. Enter the first serving man. First serving man. What have you? What would you have, friend? Whence are you? Here's no place for you. Pray go to the door. He exits. Coriolanus. I deserve no better entertainment in being Coriolanus. Enter second serving man. Second serving man. What are you, sir? Has the porter his eyes in his head that he gives entrance to such companions? Pray get you out. Coriolanus, away, second service man, away, get you out, get you away, Coriolanus, now thou art troublesome, second service man, are you so brave, I'll have you talked with a non, enter third serving man, the first entry meets him, third serving man, what fellow's this, first serving man, a strange one as I ever looked upon, looked on, I cannot get him out of the house, pray thee call my master to him, he steps aside, third serving man, what have you to do here, fellow? Pray you avoid this house. Avoid the house, Coriolanus. Let me bestand. I will not hurt your hearth. Third serving man. Okay, so he's going to, he's going to uh, I guess, step on the hearth and it won't hurt them. Third serving man. What are you, Coriolanus? A gentleman. Third serving man. Marvelous poor one. Coriolanus. True. So I am. Third serving man. Pray you, poor gentleman, take up some other station. Here's no place for you. Pray you avoid. Come. Coriolanus, follow your function, go and batten on the cold bits. Pushes him away from him, third serving man. What will you, you will not, pray thee, tell my master what a strange guest he has here, second serving man, and I shall. Second serving man exits, third serving man. Well, dwellest thou, Coriolanus, under the canopy, third serving man, under the canopy, I Okay, the canopy, I suppose that's the sky. Uh, Coriolanus, I, third serving man, where's that? Coriolanus, in the city of kites and crows. Okay, so that's uh, a carrion birds. Third serving man, city of kites and crows. What an ass it is. And thou dwellest with Dawes too? Coriolanus, no, I serve not thy master. Third serving man, how, sir, do you meddle with my master? Coriolanus, aye, tis an honester service than to meddle with thy mistress. Thou pratest and pratst, serve with thy trencher, hence. That trencher was a, was a big tray or something like that. Um, or maybe it was a, uh, maybe it was like a serving spoon. At any rate, hence, beats him away. Third serving man exits. Enter Aphidius with the second serving man. Aphidius. Where is this fellow, second serving man? Here, sir. I'd have beaten him like a dog, but for disturbing the lords within. Okay, he's rather brave. At least in, in his words, he said he'd beat him up, but it made too much noise. 
he steps aside. Aphidius, whence comest thou? What wouldst thou? Thy name, why speakest not? Speak, man, what's thy name? Coriolanus removing his muffler. If tellest, tellest, not yet thou knowest me, and seeing me, dost thou think me for the man I am? Necessity commands me name myself. Alphidius, what is thy name? Coriolanus, a name unmusical to the Volscans' ears, and harsh in sound to thine. Alphidius, say what's thy name? Thou hast a grim appearance, and thy face bears a command in it. It's like he, uh, he looks like he's used to commanding. Back to the text, Dilophidius. Though thy tackle's torn, thou showest a noble vessel. What's thy name? Coriolanus, prepare thy brow, thy brow to frown. Brow and frown, bit of a rhyme there. Internal rhyme, I believe it's called. Back to the text, still Coriolanus. Unless thou me yet, Aphidius. I know thee not thy name. Coriolanus. My name is Caius Martius, who has done to thee particularly and to all the vultures great hurt and mischief. Thereto witness may my surname Coriolanus, the painful service, extreme dangers, and the drops of blood shed for my thankless countries are requited. But with that surname, good memory, and witness of the malice and displeasure, thou shouldst bear me, only that name remains, the cruelty and envy of the people, permitted by our dastard nobles, who have all forsook me, have devoured the rest, and suffered me by the voice of slaves to be whooped out of Rome. Now this extremity hath brought me to thy hearth, not out of hope, mistake me not, to save my life, for if I had feared death of all the men in the world, I would have avoided thee, but in mere spite, to be full quit of, of those my banishers, stand I before thee, then if thou hast a, a heart of wreck in thee, thou wilt revenge thine own particular wrongs, and stop thee as those manes of shame, seen through my country, Speed thee straight, and make my misery serve thy turn. So use it, that my revengeful services may prove its benefits to thee, for I will fight against my canker country with the spleen of, of all the under fiends. But if it so be that thou darest not this, and that to prove more fortunes art tried, then in a word I am also longer to live most weary, and present my throat to thee into thy ancient malice not to cut would show thee but a fool since i have ever followed thee with hate drawn tons of blood out of thy country's breast and cannot live but to thy shame unless it be to do thee service so he's saying uh, uh, make use of him and if not kill him he's content either way aphidius oh martius martius so, so he calls him by his first name and so they're they're sort of friendly to each other each word thou hast spoke hath weeded from my heart a root of ancient evil envy. So I say no longer envies them him. If Jupiter should from yon clouds speak divine things and say tis true, I not believe them more than thee, all noble Martius. Let me twine mine arms about that body, where against my grained ash a hundred time hath broke and scarred the moon with splinters. Okay, so that's his uh, spear. They had ash handles. They embrace. Here I clip the anvil of my sword, and do contest as hotly and as nobly with thy love as ever in ambitious strength I did contend against thy valor. Know thou first, I love the maid I married, never man sighed truer breath. But that I see thee here, thou noble thing, more dances my rapt heart than when I first my wedded mistress saw bestride my threshold. 
Why thou Mars, I tell thee, we have a power on foot. Okay, before we go there, I did see this play it played in a in an amateur Shakespeare play where they had this scene and they they made it seem like there was a homosexual affair uh, between um, Coriolanus and Aphidius. I do not believe that for a second, um, but that's the way things are tending these days. <laughs> okay, back to the text. So he, they're they're through with their little little mutual love scene, if you will, and uh, and now back to the war matters. Why thou Mars? Okay, so he calls him Mars, the god of war, and his name is Martius from Mars. I tell thee we have a power on foot, and I had purpose once more to hew thy target from thy brawn or lose my arm for it. Thou hast beat me out twelve several times, and I have nightly since dreamt of encounters twixt myself and me. We have been down together in my sleep, unbuckling helms, fisting each other's throat, and waked half dead with nothing. Worthy Martius, had we no other quarrel else to roam, but that thou art thence banished, we would master all, from twelve to seventy, and pouring war into the bowels of ungrateful Rome like a bold flood or bear it. O oh, come, go in, and take our friendly senators by the hands, who now are here taking their leaves of me, and prepare it against your territory, so not for Rome itself. Okay, so it's saying that uh, they'd already prepared to launch a war against Roman territories, but not Rome itself. Coriolanus, you bless me, gods, Aphidius. Therefore, most absolute sir, if thou wilt have the leading of thine own revenges, take the one half of my commission and set down, as best thou art experienced, since I knowest thy country's strength and weakness, thine own ways. Okay, so he's giving him half of his command now. Back to the text, still Aphidius. Whether to knock against the gates of Rome or literally visit them in parts remote and fight them ere destroy. Okay, so Rome by this time had other territories. And so saying how that he's going to take Coriolanus's advice as to um, as to whether to uh, uh, try to conquer Rome or just go against their territories. But come in. Let us commend thee first to, to those that shall say yea to thy desires, a thousand welcomes, and more a friend than e'er an enemy. Yet, Martius, that was much, much your hand, most welcome. Coriolanus and Aphidius exit. Two of the Surrey men come forward. First Surrey man. Here's a strange alteration. Second Surrey man. By my hand I thought to have struck him with a cudgel, and yet my mind gave... Gave me his clothes, made a false report of him. First serving man, what an army he has. He turned me about with his finger and his thumb, as one would set up up a top. Second service man, serving man, yea, I know by his face that there was something in him. He had, sir, a kind of face, methought. I cannot tell how to term it. First serving man, he had so, looking as it were, would I were hanged, but I thought there was more in him than I could think. Okay, so now they're claiming, oh, yeah, I knew it all along. Second serving man, so did I, I'll be sworn. He is simply the rarest man in the world. First serving man, I think he is, but a greater soldier than he, you what one. Second serving man, who, my master? First serving man, nay, it's no matter for that. Second serving man, worth six on him. First serving man, nay, not so neither, but I take him to be the greater soldier. Second serving man, faith. Look you, one cannot tell how to say that. For the defense of a town, our general is excellent first. I, and for an assault, too, enter the third serving man. I'm just going to call these first, second, third. Third, 
Oh, slaves, I tell you news, news, you rascals, both. But what, what, what? Let's partake. And in order, let's partake of the news. Third, I would not be a Roman of all nations. I'd life be a condemned man, both. Wherefore, wherefore? Third, why he's here that was wont to thwack our general Caius Martius. First, why do you say thwack our general? Third, I did not say thwack our general, but he was always good enough for him. Second, come, we are fellows and friends. He was ever too hard for him. I've heard him say so himself. First, he was too hard for him directly to say the truth on it before Coriolis. He scotched him and notched him like a car carbondo. Carbonando. Carbona carbonado. Carbonado. Second, and he had been cannibally given. He might have boiled and, and he had been cannibally given. He might have boiled and eaten him too. First, but more thy news. Third, why is so made on here within as if he were son and heir to Mars? Set it upper end of the table. No question asked him by any of the senators. They stand bald before him. Our general himself makes a mistress of him, sanctifies himself with the sand, and turns up the white of the eye to his discourse. By the bottom of the news is our general is cut in the middle, and but one half of what he was yesterday, for the other has half by the entreaty and grant of the whole table. He'll go, he says, and sow the porter of, Roman, of Rome gates by the ears. He will mow down all before him and leave his passage pulled. Second, and he's as like to do it as any man I can imagine. Third, do it. He will do it. For look you, sir, he has as many friends as enemies, which friends, sir, as it were, durst not, look you, show themselves as we term it his friends while he's in directitude. First, sir, first, directitude? What's that? I was going to ask that myself. Third, but when they shall see, sir, his crest up again, and the man in blood, they will out of their burrs like connies after rain, and revel all with him. First, but when this goes forward, third, tomorrow, present, today, presently, you shall have the drum struck up this afternoon, tis as were a parcel of their feast, to be executed ere they wipe their lips. Second, why then we shall have a stirring world again. This piece is nothing but to rust iron, increase tailors, and breed ballad makers. First, let me have war, say I. It exceeds peace as far as day does night. It, it's sprightly walking, audible, and full of vent. Peace is very apoplexy, lethargy, mull, deaf, sleepy, insensible, a getter of more bastard children than wars or destroyer of men. Second, tis so. And as wars in some sort may said to be a ravisher, so Kemet be denied, but peace is a great maker of cuckolds. First, aye, and that makes men hate one another. Reason, because then they less need one another. The wars for my money. I hate to see Romans as cheap as Vulsions. Notice within. They are rising, they are rising. First and second serving men. In, 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 in. They exit. And everybody's in a tumult there among the Volscians to go to war. Well, we'll see what happens in the war with the next one. And until then, that's scene six, act four, scene six. And until then, adieu.